in that situation, I would triple dog dare you to go and do, do two things. Number one, just be open during this series. Secondly, I, go grab a copy of the book. There's also uh, two different CD series that you can get. They're kind of uh, teachings and talks that I've done on this, this uh, subject in the past. We typically about every year, year and a half, we do a, we do a series on this because uh, it's so powerful in the life of a believer. And I would encourage you to get that. But, but the other thing I'd encourage you to do is do this. Get your Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, see us after service. We'll get you one. I had a couple come up to me last night and said, we don't have Bibles. Can we get Bibles? Sure, we can't. We can get you one. If you can't afford that or you're too proud to come ask me, you can go to BibleGateway.com, BibleGateway.com. And there's every version of the Bible that's in print. You can literally get it right there. Anyhow, or you can get free apps on your iPhone if you want to do that. So, uh, and, and the other thing is, is what I would encourage you to do is go to Acts, the book of Acts, which is the first book in the New Testament after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. And that is an entire book dedicated to the working and the leading of this wild goose called the Holy Spirit. And so just begin to read it. And as you read it, not with anybody else around, no church choir, nobody trying to stoke it up or get you happy or anything like that. But in that context, just begin to say, God, if this is real, then let it be real in me. If this is real, let it be real in me. The third group of people that are in here, you're what I call crusty Christians. And I'm talking to you. Some people looked up. Yeah, that's you. All right. Crusty Christians. You've been living this thing for so long that you think you've got it. And you're going, oh, he's going to talk about something we all know about. And right now, I sound like Charlie Brown's school teacher to you. Wah, 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 wah. That's the way it sounds to you. And the problem is, is that, yes, you may have been saved longer than I've been alive. And yes, you may have experienced this wild goose longer than, 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 than 20 years. But I would tell you, the reality is, is that you probably had a year of fresh experience following the wild goose and somewhere you said, okay, that's enough. And you bring him out occasionally, but he's more like a caged bird that you bring into your life and out of your life. And you, you had one year of experience that you've relived 19 or 20 or 25 times. Did I just say that? I think I did. And you need this fresh experience. You need to open up the book and read it and say, let it be alive and fresh in me again. So if I haven't offended you yet, well, we, the service isn't over, okay? And, um, but, but I really want to encourage you, and I'm going to kind of get in your kitchen a little bit today about this because I think this is life-changing. Now, the wild goose, it's on the backside of your, your bulletin. The notes are, the Celtic Christian's name for the Holy Spirit was Adon Gloss, which meant wild goose. Mark explained that just a little bit. Wild goose. And much like the wild goose, the Holy Spirit can't be tracked or tamed. There's an element of danger and an air of, of unpredictability around him. Here's the reason why I'm doing this series. You want to know my motivation? I'm going to tell you right here. This is the, the thesis statement, the thing that I have wrestled with, the thing that we're going to wrestle with through the, after the course of the next five or six weeks. I wonder if we have clipped the wings of the wild goose and settled for something less. I wonder if we, collectively, have clipped the wings of the wild goose and settled for something less. Less than what God originally intended for us. I've been raised in church all my life. I have seen it all. We can have stories, go to Starbucks and get a cinnamon doce latte at 190 degrees and talk all afternoon. But I'm telling you, I think we've clipped the wings of this wild goose. And we've tried to tame him, and we've tried to track him, and we've tried to define him, and you just can't do that. The wild goose chase usually refers to a purposeless endeavor without a destination or a defined destiny. But that's not what we're talking about within this series. 
The wild goose chase that we're talking about is different. It's the, that the promptings of the Holy Spirit can sometimes seem pointless, but rest assured, God is always at work. When we talk about the wild goose chase, if you chase the wild goose, he's going to take you to places that you never could have imagined. You're going to go down paths that you never thought possible. And many times as Christ followers, we get stressed out trying to figure out the will and the way of God. And we try to figure out the mysteries of God like a Sudoku puzzle. And you cannot do that. God is not defined that way. You cannot put God in a box. You cannot wrap him up in religion. He cannot be confined by the restraints of, of, of man. You've got to remember, he is God and we are not. He is infinite and we are finite. He is omnipresent and you and I are limited to a time, place. He is not. And to put an infinite, omnipresent, omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing, almighty God, and to reduce him down to a formula or a sentence, it's impossible. It can't be done. And so as we go through this series, let me give you a warning, because some of you may need to find another church for five or six weeks, because I'm just telling you, we're going to go off-road on this thing. We're going to explore this. We're going to open it up. It's not going to get weird. It's not going to get wacky. It's not going to get wild. We're not going to bring out the snakes in a few minutes. We're not going to be doing some weird stuff like do 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 We got ushers at the back of the room, guys like Rich Burks that are built, you know, like, uh, like the rock. And uh, Dan, you're back there today, too. I don't know how you made the team, but thanks for being there. And... Uh, we're going to do that. He knows I have nothing but love for him, right? Okay, thank you. All right, and so, um, but, you know, if somebody gets weird or wild, we don't do that. If you've been coming to Life Church for, for, for the past several weeks, this is just who we are. I mean, you, you, you've got, so it's not, we're not shifting to a different gear. We're not going to do this Holy Spirit thing for a couple weeks, then go back and, and pull. We're not going to bring the, the wild goose out of the cage and let him fly for a few weeks and then bring, put him back in a cage what you're seeing, what you've been a part of, that's, how we, that's who we are and that's how we're, it's going to operate. But I like to talk about this because I think uh, in our lives that we, we get Christianity, our Christ followership gets boring and predictable. And I'm just going to tell you, I know I'm a pastor, but I hate boring church and I hate boring Christians. If I don't hang out with you and you're a Christian, it may be because you're boring and you're predictable. I just can't handle it. Because it's like you've reduced this thing down. Because the Bible that I read, this book of Acts that I read, these guys got like stoned. And I'm not talking about like smoking crack stone. I'm talking about they literally picked up rocks and tried to kill them. And the power of the Holy Spirit raised them back up and they went and preached the gospel in the next town. They were shipwrecked. And yet they survived. They were bitten by venomous snakes. And yet they lived. They were, they were in prison. And the power of the Holy Spirit was so strong that it opened up the jail cell. The jailer got saved. And they walked across town. Town unscathed to a prayer meeting with a group of people who were following the wild goose, and God did what God can do. And that Christianity that I read about in the first century was anything than boring, anything than predictable, anything than just humdrum, sarah, whatever will be, will be. And if that's what you're looking for, that's not the Jesus of the Bible. I'm telling you, there is some cool stuff in there. And so we're going to talk about that. And I'm going to warn you right now, we are going to just kind of go off-road on this thing. We're going to just, we're going to open up God's word. And I want you to understand this too from the very beginning. I know you're not interested in what I think, and I'm cool with that. And I want you to know I'm not interested in what you think, and I hope you're cool with that. Because if your experience doesn't line up with God's word, it's probably a bad, it's probably indigestion. Can I just tell you that? Yeah, but I, you just don't know. No, I'm telling you, everything lines up with the Word of God. This, this, 
is what's profitable for all teaching, for all training, for all exhortation. That's what Paul told Timothy. So we're going to go back to this book and we're going to say, what does it say? What does it say? Not what do you think, not what does the denomination think or Dr. So-and-so thinks, because on this subject of the wild goose, I mean, everybody's got their opinions. And our opinions are kind of like armpits. Everybody's got a couple and they usually stink, okay? We're not going to go down there. We're going to go, what does the word say? Some of you are like, wow, dude, I didn't know pastors could talk like that. <laughs> Welcome to Life Church. Amen. There is nothing more unnerving or disorienting than passionately pursuing God. Let me say that again. There is nothing more unnerving or disorienting than passionately pursuing God. And the sooner that you come to terms with that reality, the more you're going to enjoy the journey. Because in following God, following this wild goose will not be predictable. It will not have its certainties. It will be an adventure. It will be like white water rafting. It will be like, like, like skiing a, a black diamond course in the upper Rocky Mountains. It will be like going totally off the grid. And that's where we're going to go in the next five weeks. So who is the Holy Spirit? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Um, in John chapter 16, verse 5 through 16, the Bible talks and defines, Jesus defines the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, uh, all throughout Scripture, this wild goose is, is being called the Holy Spirit, Spirit of God, Spirit. It's, he's referred to 88 times in the Old Testament and 261 times in the New Testament. And let's look at what John chapter 16, verse number 5 through 16 says about the wild goose. Jesus says this, but now I'm going to be, I'm going to him who sent me. Yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go, the advocate or the counselor, or the helper, or the comforter, or the Holy Spirit, whatever the version that you have, they all change it on that one. It's all the same thing. It's the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin or righteousness and judgment. And about righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, you will no longer see me. And about judgment, because the rule of this world has been condemned. Verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you can't hear them now, or can't bear them. Verse, 30, verse 13, but when the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and, when he do, and will declare to you the things that are to come. And he will glorify me. Verse 14, we're going to come to back to that in just a second. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And all the Father has, to has is mine. And for this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now, it's in your notes here that the, the Holy Spirit, first of all, who is the wild goose? The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He's the third person of the Trinity. Now, the Trinity is the triune Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I'm going to kind of explain this as best I can in just a very few minutes. We could do a doctoral dissertation on this subject, and we don't have time to do that. But when we look back and in Genesis chapter 1, we see that the Bible said that the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. And that God began to create this world and he called it into existence. And when, they cre and when he created man, he said, let us make man in our image. That, that pronoun there is, is plural, not singular. Meaning it's not just God, but it's the triune Godhead of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're three in one. So they're all three individual persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're all three different personalities, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They all have three different roles, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But those three are all one. So they don't act in their own, they act in conjunction and in, and in a succinctness with each other. And so when you speak of the Father, you're speaking of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And when you speak of the Son, you're referring to the Holy Spirit and to the Father. And when you speak of the Holy Spirit, you're referring to the Father and the Son. And they're three separate personalities, three separate persons, yet they come together as one 
to form the triune Godhead. Now, some of that you intellectually get, and some of that you go, it's like a termite and a yo-yo. I don't know where to begin, where to end. It's just kind of confusing. That's because we're finite. It's because we're limited creation. So we may get it cognitively, but it's kind of hard really when you start dissecting it and peeling the onion skin back on it and peeling the layers back to understand it. That's natural. Let me explain it to you like this. When God spoke the world into existence in Genesis chapter 1, and when, the, and when the triune God had said, uh, let us make man in our image, God was enacted on the face of the planet. And we see when Adam and Eve, before sin entered the world, that God spoke with them face to face, walked with them in the cool of the day, and God the Father was present in their life. When sin entered the world, we see in Genesis chapter 3 that God declares that he makes the first, what we call the messianic prophecy, the prophecy of Christ in the Old Testament that had to be fulfilled. The first messianic prophecy of scripture, Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, where it says that the son, that God will give the son, his seed would come and that he would, that the serpent, the devil, would bruise the son's heel, but that the son would crush the serpent's head. So we know that the son is going to come to save mankind from this thing called sin. And we know that in the process, he's going to go through physical pain and torment, but yet what he's going to do to the serpent will destroy the serpent for forever and will destroy sin. And from there all the way through the Old Testament, here's how God interacts, only with a few people on a few occasions. Like Moses when he gives him the law. And like Moses when he's on the mountaintop. And there's these few little intermittent times where God speaks. And so for all of those thousands of years, the triune Godhead is having to speak to one person at a time instead of God having this relationship like he had with Adam and Eve. Now, the, the last book in the Old Testament is called a book called Malachi. And after Malachi, between Malachi and, and Matthew, which is the first book in the New Testament, it's only a couple of pages in your Bible, but that represents 400 years. The theologians call those 400 silent years where God did not speak, thus there was no scripture. And so in that, and there's been some that have tried to put extra biblical books in that place and, and try to give you some insights and different things of this nature. But, but the canon of scripture that's, that's recognized by the, the, the first century council of churches did not recognize those extra biblical books and said God spoke from Genesis through Malachi, which is not necessarily in chronological order, but it was the words of God that were spoken to, to prophets and to men of God. And they wrote down what the words of God said. And then from Malachi into Matthew, God was silent. But in Matthew chapter 1, we see the triune Godhead. Now he makes himself known in the form of a babe lying in a manger. His name is Jesus. Old Testament, God. New Testament, new covenant, Jesus comes in to fulfill. And those fulfillment of the messianic prophecies begin from the Old Testament, all the way from Genesis chapter 13, all the way through the Old Testament. And now for the first time in thousands of years, God the creator gets to interact with his creation. And he gets to walk, and he gets to talk, and he gets to touch, and he gets to be. Because you've got to understand, at the end of the day, God despises religion. He hates religion. If you do not believe that, you need to reread Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He has no time for it. He calls it whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. They look wonderful on the outside, but they're dead and decaying and dying on the inside. Because we as man, we try to take the things of God and we try to reduce it down to package and put it into a box. We try to tame the wild goose. We try to put them in a cage and we say, okay, that's God. Because we can manage that. But when it's beyond our own control, it's hard for us to manage that. And God says, ah. And God begins to work through Jesus Christ, through his son, the second, the second person, the triune Godhead, the second person, the Trinity. And Jesus lives here. And he walks and he talks. And 
Matthew, in John chapter 16, we're reading the words of Jesus and he's telling them, here's what's about to happen. I am about to depart from this place and my time is coming to an end. And when I leave, I'm not going to leave you alone, but I'm going to send the comforter or the helper or the Holy Spirit, the advocate, whatever version that your Bible says, it's all descriptive of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to come to you. And from now until the time that you see me again, I'm not going to leave you alone. The Holy Spirit's going to be at work and an operation in your life. And so the Bible simply says that from the time that Jesus left until the time that Jesus returned, and again, those first century believers believed they were going to see him. They did not believe that they would go by, by way of the grave. They, meant, they believed they would see Jesus come back in their lifetime. Thus, the imminent return of Christ, that Jesus Christ can come back at any day, at any time. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not going to have someone come up here and sing, just as I am, come. You know, I, I, this is, but the real deal is Jesus could come back at any time at any day. And he said, between the time that I leave and the time that you see me come back, book of Revelation stuff, I am going to leave you with a comforter. Now, there are some people that, are, that believe in what's called cessationism. And cessationism, I'm not trying to knock it, but let me explain it. They believe that this power of the wild goose was just for the lives of the believers in the first century. And they have several rational arguments, which, which rationally make sense. But there's no theological water because the Bible never says it's going to come to an end at this point or at this time. Now, I understand, again, you and I could sit down, we could get, we could get several Starbucks, and we could discuss this. And if you want to go and discuss this, I'd be happy to sit down. I'm not going to argue with you, but I'll explain from, from a biblical perspective what this means and what's going on. And, but I will tell you that theological schools around the country that have not held to this are now beginning to say, you know what? There isn't any, any, any biblical water. There isn't any theological thing that says this, this died with the apostles. And if you want to believe that, that's fine. I'm not going to attack that or whatever. You just need to understand that's, again, it's not what I think or what you think. It's what the Word says. And I don't see scriptural backing for that. And as a church, we believe that the, that the Holy Spirit is still at work. Now, I don't believe in something that's weird or wild or out there, fruits, flakes, and nuts, and the whole deal. We're not doing that. So don't, don't like, you know, get your RPMs up and get upset. What I want you to do is just take this journey with me. And at the end of this time that we have together talking about the wild goose, if you go, yeah, that's great. It's cool for pastor, cool for them. I just don't want to do it like the church. No big deal. That's fine. Nobody's going to make you do anything. Um, but I just, again, triple dog dare you, open up the Bible, not my teaching, but open up the Bible and read the book of Acts and see if it's not there. See if it's not real. And just ask God, God, if this is real, I'm going to plant this organically in my own backyard, and I'm going to water it by reading the word in my prayer. And if it's real, let, 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 it, let me experience this. And if it's not, then so be it. So the wild goose, then, his time is on this planet right now. That's why we're talking about it. Because he is a person. He's a real entity. He's not an inanimate object. He's not spooky. It's not weird. It's not Casper the Friendly Ghost stuff. It's the real deal. And it's the power of God that's in present in life in this planet. Now, the second statement is the Holy Spirit's here to glorify Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus says that the Holy Spirit's not going to glorify himself. He's not going to speak of himself, but he's going he's to glorify Jesus. And we're going to talk more about this through this series. But let me say this. The power of the Holy Spirit is not for demonstration or for manifestation to bring glory to the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we've thought that. 
And I've been raised in church where that's been the dominant thought of, of we're going to bring the, the wild goose out and, he's gonna, and we're going to open up the cage and we're going to let him fly around and do his thing and then we're going to cage him back up and put him backstage and then we're all going to go to Shoney's and have strawberry pie. Although I like Shoney's and strawberry pie with coffee, it's good times. But, but the reality is that's what, and, and we've seen that. And so we think the Holy Spirit's job is just to come and do his thing. And everybody kind of get excited and get doodads and we get this emotional euphoria and there's all this stuff going on. And that's not the role of the Holy Spirit. The role of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. I didn't write it. It's, some of you, I don't think you believe me. Uh, you don't have to even go there. But I mean, I'm just telling you, he, Jesus just says right there that, that when he comes, verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth and he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears and he will declare things that are to come. Verse 14, and he will glorify me, period. So, so the Holy Spirit is there not to glorify himself, not to, not to do these, not to just be relegated to some demonstration of power, but to glorify Jesus. And, and that's, a, that's the centrality of the gospel is this Christ and him crucified. We don't, we're not here to, to push a doctrine. We're not here to push the Holy Spirit or to push miracles and signs and wonders or divine healing. Do those things happen? Sure, because the Bible says that they do. But that's not the focus. The focus is on Christ and Him crucified. And again, we as the church, as, when we get off, we, we try to tame and we try to clip the wings of the wild goose and we say, well, this is where He operates. No, that's not what it says. Third, the four, third thing is the Holy Spirit is there to convict the loss of sin. That's his job. He convicts the lost of their sin. The reason why in a church service, if you ever notice that we, we, do, we have a time of worship, and then we have a time of the word, and then sometimes we'll have a time where we'll have an altar time, and then sometimes we just have a benedictory prayer and everybody leaves. But we do worship before we do the word, and the reason why is because we want the Holy Spirit to kind of just pour over our own hearts and our own lives and soften us because this world can make you kind of crusty, can it? Like, I don't know if anybody was excited about coming to church today, but can I tell you right now, I was not. Because it's raining outside, it's dark, daylight saving time. Do you know this is like the lowest attended church? Uh, this Sunday is the lowest attended service of any day of the year because of spring forward. Some of you are like, you forgot to spring forward. You were planning on coming to the 9 o'clock service. And you showed up and went, whoa, okay, we're going to go eat Cracker Barrel. Good for you. You should have saw the 9 o'clock service. Man, they were, they were the remnant. They were just, just a few gathered together right here in his name. I told them there was a special place for them in heaven. And I said to wave those people in the parking lot. They're going, what? What's, what's, oh, yeah. And we're not going to talk about people being late to church. But and because, because if we talk about people being late to church, it's amazing to me how the church, the room fills up 50% 10 minutes into the service. I mean, you would think, we're not going to talk about that, but you would think we'd change the times every week to kind of confuse people. But we're not going to go there today. But it, because if we went there, I, I, that's not what I'm preaching about. But it's just amazing to me how, and what happens is when you show up late for church, although I'm not talking about that, especially regularly, although you would think that it's like we do something new with Life Kids every week. But I'm not talking about that. But, 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 but the deal is, is you miss out on that time for your heart to kind of be softened. And great, you get the word. But when, you, but, when the, but when the worship softens your heart, then you're open and you're receptive to hear what God says. And the Holy Spirit draws you. 
The fourth thing the Bible says that the, the wild goose does is that he guides the Christ follower into everyday living. He guides us into everyday living. This wild goose, this Holy Spirit experience is not intended for a Sunday morning show. It's intended to live out in your life on Monday afternoon and Tuesday morning when you're going to meet that client and Wednesday night when you're late at night and it's a midnight hour and you don't know what to do and Thursday morning when you've got to meet one of your kids' teachers because you're trying to understand and trying to help your child and they're just not wanting to help. The wild goose is for every day living. That's why I'm talking about this. If this was just a Sunday morning experience, I'd just say, hey, we're just going to put on the show. We're going to let it happen. But that's not what it's intended for. It's for every day in your life. Again, don't believe me. Open up your Bible, read the book of Acts, and see if that doesn't work. Now, the wild goose, let's talk about what, what, what his role is. There's four things. First of all, the Holy Spirit gives you internal motivation and confidence. The Holy Spirit gives you internal motivation and confidence. This is what he does. Chapter, uh, John chapter 14, verse 15, 16, and 17 says this. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, Jesus said. And I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate or counselor, comforter, helper, whatever your version says, to be with you forever. For the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, because he abides with you, and he will be in you. The Holy Spirit, when he comes into your life, he builds you up, he matures you, he develops you. See, some of you in this room, you're brand new in your faith in Christ, and you're just starting this journey, and you see people across the aisle. You see people that you go to church with, and you go, wow, I wish I had a relationship with God like that. Wow, I wish I knew the Bible like that person did. Wow, I wish I had this like this. And you think in your mind, if I just do this thing long enough, if I just have enough years of seniority, oh, I will have my shiny moment, and I'll arrive. And that's wrong. Because the reality is, is you can have a one-year experience with God and repeat it 25 years, and you're still as crusty and crunchy and dried up as ever. Or you can choose to have this fresh, everyday experience with God where you follow the wild goose, where you live life palms up, where you have this reckless abandonment to serve God, take this adventure, and you may be serving God 100 years, but it is though you're in your very first moment. Because what happens is, is we lose that somewhere along the way. We lose that freshness. We lose that organic growth of the Holy Spirit. We lose that passion for God. We lose that pursuit of God. We lose that adventure. And I'm telling you, the reason why we do it is not because of age. It's because we do not allow the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do in our life. But when the Holy Spirit comes in and the Holy Spirit works in your life, he will build you. He will mature you. He will grow you. And you will become like that person that just can rattle off scripture left and right. You'll become like that couple that just seems like they're just in sync with the things of God. You'll get to that place, but it's not by a number of years. It's not by showing up at church. It's by passionately pursuing God and saying, God, I want all that you have. I want everything that you have. Don't hold anything back from me. I'm telling you, some of you men in this room, it would serve you well to drop to your knees privately at home in front of a holy God and cry out and suck the rug for a while and just say, oh God, I need you. Oh God, 
God, where are you? Oh God, show up in my life and help me to lead my sons to be men of God. Help me to lead my daughters to be women of God. Help me to lead my, lead my home that it would be a godly home. Help me to lead my business and lead the things that you've called me to do. And listen to me, I don't care how long you've been in church. I don't care how much you've seen. I don't care where you've been, what your last name is, or how many degrees you've got. I'm telling you, this only comes by getting alone with God and getting close to God and allowing the wild goose to take you on an adventure every single day of your life. Man, he's pumped up and excited today. My grandmother would say, you need to get on the spot where the glory comes out. Mm. That's how you get there. And some of you, that's where you want to be. Some of you don't, that's fine. Some of you won't stay here long, that's okay. But I'm telling you, the key to this freshness, this fresh walk with God, to keep your, your, your faith with God fresh and hot, is the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm saying that not as a pastor, I'm saying that as a Christ follower. Without the power of the Holy Spirit in my life to mature me, to develop me, to grow me, to convict me, to lead me, to guide me, I would not be standing here today. Second thing the Bible says, the Holy Spirit gives us insight for living. Insight for living. He helps us live this life. John chapter 14, verse number 26. Jesus said this, but the advocate or the counselor, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. You ever wonder how you're going to live this whole book? That it's impossible to remember it? I feel that way. And I'm the pastor. How you do that is the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit will give you insight for living. He will give you knowledge and wisdom and insight and direction. He will show you what to do. Take the job. Don't take the job. Buy the house. Don't buy the house. Go here. Go there. You need to do this. Slow down. Speed up. Have urgency. Pull back a little bit. Pull the RPMs. He will help you in the rhythm of everyday living and give you wisdom and insight. And I'm not talking about in the church service. I'm talking about in your life, in your business why would God care about my business? Hmm, let's think. Maybe because that's what he's gifted and called you to do? Just a thought. Maybe because he wants to bless you because he's a good God that wants to give good gifts? Just a thought. Just because maybe because you're, you're being faithful to bring the tithe that he wants to continue to do things and he's going to use you? Just a thought. See, God cares about your everyday life. God cares about your kids. He cares about the decisions that you make. He cares about the financial decisions. He cares about the business decisions. He cares about the marital decisions. He cares about the decisions with the kids. He cares about the future. He cares about all these things that are going on. And don't ever think that God's so busy. He doesn't have time for you. He's God. I don't have time for you, but he has time for you. Somebody else in the room may not be able to call you back, but he can. The pastor of the largest church in the world, Dr. Paul Young E. Cho, says this, that if people call the church and they want an appointment for counseling, they must first fast and pray for three days straight. And if they don't give the answer, then we do counseling. 2010, new policy procedure for Life Church. <laughs> you know why? Not because he doesn't have time, although he's got over a million people that attend their church. The reality is this is that God wants to do it. The counselor, the comforter, the helper, the Holy Spirit, it's all right there for you. You may be too lazy to go after it, but that's your problem. It's there. And God says, I want to help you. I want to advocate for you. I want to counsel you. I want to lead you. I want to guide you. I'll help you. But you have to have a thing called a relationship with me that's, that's active and that's going. 
knowledge, wisdom, insight, everyday living. You know, when Tammy and I were on the journey of planting a church, this really came alive to us because we had served in a capacity of a youth pastor and then what was called an executive pastor in a pretty nice church in Oklahoma and before we came here. And we knew that God was leading us. We knew this wild goose was leading us to, uh, to go plant a church. And so we got all of our finances in order to make sure that we could flip burgers at Burger King if we had to to make a living. And just completely got ourselves in the place where, God, whatever you want, we sense that this is your time, this is your leading, and we'll go where you want us to go. And when we did that, it began to open up a season of doors. Of We would get phone calls, and people would say, hey, we'd like for you. We've heard about you, or we're connected to, you know, know your pastor, or, you know, we're affiliated with the Assemblies of God. Your district superintendent's recommended you. Would you come, and would you look? we like to plant a church here. We're looking for a sharp couple, and blah, 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 blah. And so, um, so we would go. And we would do what we call, what I call connect the dots, which doesn't sound real spiritual, but, but if you're going to do what God's called you to do, you've got to understand, you can't just go out there and do pie in the sky. God does not operate in leaps. He operates, he works in steps, and it's a process. And if it just, and, and again, there are occasionally where God will ask you to do things that seem abnormal, but typically it's pretty much processive in your life. And uh, I remember when we were asked to go to Dallas, you remember that? And uh, they, they contacted us and said, we, we've heard about you. Your district superintendent talks well about you. We know your pastor. We know the church. We'd like for you guys to come down. And there's an area in North Dallas that uh, it's, uh, it's, it's basically built around a golf community. And the houses start in the low 100s, which is pretty typical. That'd be probably like a quarter million dollar house here. And they start in the low 100s, and then they go up to $4 million. And it's this whole, we, we haven't been able to get anything established there. We haven't been able to get anything going there. I want to know if you guys would be willing to come in, and we will get, help you with salary. And so we drove to Dallas, spent a few days, met with them, talked with them. And, and, and I can tell you, standing there on that, like that 13th green bin, I could feel God. I feel cheap. Mm, I was telling Tammy, Tammy. I think Jesus and us could do something great here. I'm just, it was beautiful. We went to the country club. We talked to them and said, hey, could we rent space? And God gave us some favor. And we were kind of processing this thing out. And we're looking and, and trying to connect. The, the, but we couldn't connect the dots. And on the outside, from Aaron's perspective, if Aaron was the goose, Aaron would say, that's where we need to go. But it wasn't where God wanted us to go. And it wasn't God's leading. And how did I know that? Because the Holy Spirit gives you insight. And I did not have the peace that Philippians talks about that passes all understanding. So we said, thanks, no thanks. They kind of thought we were crazy and we went on. But it was all part of the journey of insight and knowledge and wisdom to bring us to here. And last night, I'm walking from the offices and I'm walking across the parking lot to come in. And the parking lot was packed, was just filled full of cars. There were like 300 people on campus last night. And I told Tammy, I said, do you remember when the biggest bar in town was right here? And the parking lot looked like that, but it wasn't in front of our building. It was over here. I remember we started our second service. There were 15 people in that second service. There were more people on the platform than there were in the audience. I'll never forget it. And to walk across and to see what God's done and what God is doing just goes, wow. Listen, I'm not smart enough to put that together. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. I'm not the sharpest pencil in the cup. I have one talent, and that's I can talk. That's why I do it so long, because that's all I got. 
And I smile because that just makes this package as best it can look. <laughs> but I can tell you something. If I will follow the wild goose, he'll take me to heights that I never could have imagined. And adventures that I could have never done in my own. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Third, the Holy Spirit gives you power to be an overcomer. I know what time it is. I want to shut up. I'm hungry too. Power to be an overcomer. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Boy, I like this. I know I'm excited today. I've got my notes for this whole series are all done. I could preach the whole thing today. All five weeks, trust me. All right, but I won't. Somebody's like, Lord Jesus, help us all. All right. <laughs> Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But when the whole, when, when you receive the Holy Spirit, when you receive, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit's going to give you power to live this life. You want to have power to break some habits in your life? Because we all deal with sin. We all struggle with stuff. You want power to overcome it? The power of the Holy Spirit will do it. You want power to live this God life? The, the Holy Spirit, the wild goose. You, 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 you want to get above the problems in the fray and, and stay away from the fray in your life? It's the power of the Holy Spirit that will do it in your life every single time. I didn't write it. It's what it is. And it won't just do it here, but it will do it to the ends of the earth. You know what's going to make a difference in this church? It's not me. It's not you. It's not lights and coolness. And we're not chasing cool just for an FYI. But the reality is it's the power of the Holy Spirit that we'll be, a, we'll be witnesses here in Germantown and southeastern Wisconsin throughout the United States and literally around the world. The Holy Spirit. You want that kind of power? Wild goose chase. Number four, the Holy Spirit gives you a direct connection to God. The Holy Spirit gives you a direct connection to God. Guys, let's put up those scriptures that we could. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 and 2. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God no one understands him. Yet he utters the mysteries with his spirit. I didn't write it. That's what it says. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. I didn't write it. Paul writes it again to the church in Rome and to the church in Corinth. He says that the power of the wild goose, the power of the Holy Spirit will intercede. It will give you a direct connection to God. That when you pray in the Spirit, you're praying directly to God. The only way I know how to illustrate this in, in today's time is the difference between dial-up internet and high speed. <laughs> dial-up internet. Remember that? <laughs> What are you doing? Oh, I'm getting online. It sounds like R2-D2, doesn't it? And some of you, that's the way your spiritual life looks. Because you're still waiting. You probably have a rotary phone at home. I mean, don't even raise your hand. And some kid's going, rotary, what's that? But dial-up is like high speed. Ding, you're on, baby. I mean, like on my phone. My iPhone, which I keep it up here because it's got a countdown clock and it's flashing zero, zero, zero because I'm done with time. But on my phone, and I ignore it, so what good does it do? I don't know. <laughs> but Jay makes me bring it out every week. Usually he's back in the movie flashing like this. You're done. Land the plane. But on the 3G network, man, I can get anything, everything. I've got everything. It's just direct connect. 
I can read the Bible. I've got apps. I mean, it's just direct connect to God. I just got this cool thing called a Kindle from Amazon. So it holds 200, it holds 15,000 books on this one thing. And it's on the whisper. And so within 30 seconds, boom, I buy a book from Amazon. It goes right here. It's automatically charged to my credit card, and I can read. And I'm an avid reader. I think I've read 25 or 30 books this year. And usually I take a stack of books when I travel. And so now I get to take one book, WhisperNet, technology, direct connect. See, that's the difference. That's what I'm talking about. Some of you, you're still on. I'm getting on the Internet. That's your connection to God. And other ones of you are like, hallelujah. And you're connected directly. And you look around and go, why does it take me so long? Because the wild goose did an operation in your life. He will connect you directly to God. I didn't write Corinthians. I didn't write Romans. But that's what it says. And when we pray in the spirit, we're praying directly to God. And there are times where we don't know what to pray. You ever been there before? You don't know what to say? Come on, don't look at me so sanctimonious. You ever tried to pray an hour before? After like five minutes, you feel like you've been there for six hours. You're going, oh my goodness, it's only been five minutes. Oh. The Holy Spirit gives you that insight, boom, to connect. The wild goose. This series is going to be awesome. This series is going to change your life. I don't say that about every series. There's some series we do that it ain't going to change your life. It's going to help you. It's going to motivate you. It's going to inspire you. Some of you, it's really going to help. Some of you, you're just going to get to have fun. We're going to try to laugh, do something funny, so at least you enjoy it. But this is going to touch you and change you. And again, I mean, I quadruple dog dare you. Is there such a thing? I think there is. I just invented it. Read the book of Acts and ask God, if this is real, let this become alive in me. Father, I thank you for your word.